0: And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We are all entitled to sexual health just as much as physical and mental health. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, I'm Five Yard Dynasty Podcast with me, Rich Cooling. Back with another solo podcast for you today. Hope you, you enjoyed um, Mirth coming on last week. Um, certainly going to have some more guests coming on later in January and early into February got a lot of the guys um that you know and love from the five yard family are going to be joining us um but today i just wanted to i guess look back at um a kind of the 2020 season as a whole um and and start to have an approach of what lessons can we learn um and kind of i guess who, who the easiest way to start is who's who's risen in value who's dropped in value um on um, potentially can we learn anything from those um kind of drastic value changes um so today I'm I'm going to look at the positive um we're going to be focusing on um seven guys that saw a significant rise in their value um and then next week we'll uh, we'll take the negative approach and start looking at guys that saw a, a huge decline in terms of their value overall so um so to give you kind of an idea, so this is, I'm taking, so Dynasty League Football, so DLF, um, they produce monthly ADP. Um, so these are probably the seven guys that based on their ADP from August to January saw the largest kind of value changes. Um, and hopefully each one is is kind of noteworthy in their own individual way. Um, so the first guy is, is going to be the only guy at the quarterback position, and that's Justin Herbert. So in August ADP, he was actually the QB twenty-five, um, and then his current ADP is QB five overall, which which is mind-blowing. Um, so in terms of his kind of twenty twenty stats, so he was the QB nine um, in overall kind of fancy points scored. Uh, obviously, that's slightly lower than than his actual performance because obviously he was a little bit late starting the season, but he finished as the QB8 in terms of points per game, averaging 22.9 points per game. Um, That's pretty impressive because obviously Dak's ridiculous number um, for the the first five or six weeks is is included in that um, so you know he was a really solid qb1 for you pretty much all year um, in terms of his contracts obviously he's on that um, four-year contract with the potential fifth year option um, and he's only in year two of that so he's going to be in uh, almost at san diego there in los angeles for at least another four years i guess what lessons can we learn so going into both the NFL draft and and rookie drafts, he was the consensus QB3 in in both formats. Um, I think there was some late hype that he could potentially go to Miami as the QB2 off the board. But I think realistically, people throughout the whole kind of pre-draft process were projecting him as that QB3. Um, And certainly in fantasy circles, he was, you know, it was Tua and Herbert and and Burrow were being talked about as, you know, your, your first and second pick overall. Um, in Superflex drafts, and Herbert was being talked about sort of as a, a mid to late first round pick. And I just think that this really to me shows that um when it comes to the quarterback position, we don't really have a clue um, in terms of rookies coming out. You know, you look at the year before, Daniel Jones obviously was highly drafted by the Giants. He was again a late first, early second round rookie pick in Superflex drafts, and immediately. Shot up boards and and was being valued much higher than that this time last year. So I just think that maybe we need to be taking the approach in those Suflex drafts of basically any any quarterback that is going to start is going to see an uptick in value based on what you pay for them in a rookie draft. You look at even someone like Tua, who obviously had a an up and down year, didn't perform at the level that people expected but he's still going in startups as the kind of QB10, QB11, QB12 off the board. And you can probably still get a couple of firsts for him in a trade. Someone like Justin Herbert is probably priced now around sort of three future firsts. Well, if you draft them at 108, 109, where he was going this time last year, and you can now turn that round into three firsts in the space of three months, um, you know, that's an incredible return on investment. And I just think that... Basically, my advice is, is that you can never have enough quarterbacks in superflex leagues, but particularly the value of rookie quarterbacks is, you know, in all seriousness, very much likely to return on that investment. We talk about first-round running backs um in rookie drafts being sort of a 50-50 proposition, in that, you know, half the time they're they're gonna not not produce, not produce that RB1, RB2 type season, but quarterbacks are. You know, unless they come out like Jared Goff did in his rookie year, they're pretty much kind of proof of that value drop. So I think they're a really good buying thing. So if you've got that opportunity to take a quarterback in your rookie draft, even if you don't necessarily need a quarterback, let's still really consider it because, in terms of pure value, they're likely to return on that investment much greater than a running back or a wide receiver um i in terms of overall i guess justin herbert so as i said he's currently being valued as the qb5 in adp um he's he's my qb7 um i've just done a um a, a new startup where he went at the 106 overall in a startup superflex league which i'll be honest was was shocking at the time um personally i, I can't spend a first round pick in terms of my Superflex draft and the guy that's performed well but performed well in 14 games um you know I've, I've talked about it on the last pod this time last year um Carson Wentz was a, a top seven quarterback two years ago Baker Mayfield was the QB3 overall after his rookie season um and obviously Marcus Mariota after his quarterback's uh rookie season was the QB2 overall um I'm not saying that Justin Herbert's going to go that way and and kind of fall off the face of the earth in terms of his value. I I do think he's a very good quarterback. Um, You know, I saw a stat going around on Twitter yesterday that was saying he was actually had the highest number of under pressure throws in terms of the NFL last year um, and led the league in completion percentage on those. So I think he, you know, if he continues to get the help, perhaps gets a new offensively minded head coach that can bring in a new system and, and can really be an, an absolute superstar moving forward but I just as I said a couple of weeks ago I'm cautious about projecting age when it comes to quarterback position I think when it comes to running backs wide receivers I completely get it because you know the shelf life of a, a top tier running back is is kind of four years the shelf life of a top tier quarterback could be 15 years I don't get why we're so quick throwing away the likes of Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, people like that, who you can get for a fifth of the value, a fifth the price of Herbert, yet are going to produce probably probably not to the level that Herbert will over the next two, three years, but pretty darn close. But if you can get two firsts of Matt Stafford for Herbert, I'm very comfortable making that deal at the moment. So absolutely love him if you've got him on your roster, um, but I'm probably not going out and buying him. Potentially, even looking at selling him, if I can get you know 106 in a startup value for him, that's you know if if I can get Saquon Barkley plus for Justin Herbert, then I'm I'm very interested in that. Um, So moving across to the running back position, so no shocks to you guys um, who this is going to be. So that's James Robinson. So. Obviously, in August, he was actually undrafted in terms of ADP over at DLF. Um, so they tend to go about 200 to 250 players deep. So the fact he wasn't even in that shows how, how low his value was. Um, he's now currently being valued as the RB10 overall. Um, So in terms of stats last year, so he finished as the RB7. He was actually the RB6 in terms of points per game, averaging 17.9. Obviously, he missed the last few weeks due to injury. In terms of his contract situation, so he is signed a three-year deal as an undrafted three-agent. So he's actually only going to make 780k in 2021 um, and will be a restricted three-agent in 2023. So I guess the big question mark about James Robinson is, you know, (laughs) Can we learn anything um, from his kind of huge kind of meteoric rise in terms of his value? And it's difficult to sit here and say, yeah, you know, we should go out and buy every undrafted free agent that signs to a situation that could be a great one. But, you know, with the greatest will in the world, we're not going to be able to identify the next James Robinson. Anyone who says they can is, is a liar because, if you could identify the next James Robinson, he wouldn't be going undrafted. Um, but what I do kind of think back to is, is something that a guy that I really rate in terms of JJ Zacharyson preaches in that when there's an kind of unsettled backfield in that there's no clear number one, you want to buy as many of those options as possible, but also look at buying the cheapest. As soon as Leonard Fournette was um, kind of released, we had Divine Ozigbo, we had Raquel Armstead, and we had James Robinson. Well, James Robinson was absolutely the cheapest of those three, so perhaps at that point you could go out and buy all three, but make sure you're you're taking those kind of buying those lottery tickets. Um, I think that, and it's a move that perhaps I I regret this time last year is that I get to this point of the season and I'm thinking after the rookie draft I've got my sort of you know, if it's a 25-man roster, I've got my 25-man roster set, but actually what I really need is kind of two or three spots at the end of the bench that I can go out and acquire someone like a James Robinson very quickly when something like the Leonard Fournette release happens. Um, So I think that, you know, if we can be viewing our rosters as three or four spots shorter than they actually are, so that you've got that potential to go out and buy somebody or, or go out and acquire somebody off the waiver wire super quick without having to stress about kind of dropping. Um, I know I I an for about four hours about whether I should drop DJ Dallas um, for James Robinson in one league and I ended up not doing it um, because I really liked DJ Dallas. I thought that he had the potential to carve out a role in 2021 when Chris Carson had moved on and and I thought that could potentially be an option. But actually what I should have done is cleared another space on the roster and and kept both. I think that certainly at this time of year, if you can take as many punts at running back, it churns so quickly. There is opportunity to buy players that could blow up in value so easily. Um, I think that if we can go out and buy as many late running back picks as possible, um, And add them to your roster I think that's a good place to be in terms of moving forward so he is as I said RB 10 price to me I'm a little bit nervous paying that he's my RB 14 overall in my rankings I'm a little bit concerned not for 2021 but for 2022 if I'm being honest I think Jacksonville would be silly to go out and acquire a kind of a high value player whether that be in free agency or the draft, to compete with him because he's shown that he can be a workhorse back. You know, he, he led the league in terms of opportunity share this year. And I just think that he's going to be the workhorse in 2021. But I do worry that that lack of draft capital could affect him in 2022. Um, and for me, in terms of, I think there's, as I said, 13 running backs that have got a a more carved out role than he has. So if I've got him, I'm absolutely not selling him because I think that the price that you'd get for him wouldn't return what he's going to produce over the next year or two. Um, but I wouldn't feel comfortable going out and buying him for essentially what is a, a second or third round pick in a superflex flex startup. Um, so moving on to the wide receiver position. So the first guy, probably no shocks is DK Metcalf. Um, so in August ADP, he was the wide receiver 14 overall He's currently the wide receiver two. Um, Actually, in um, November December, he was the wide receiver one. Um, I think he was the second overall pick at one point. So he is uh, he was sorry the wide receiver seven this year in terms of his production, in terms of points per game. So he was wide receiver ten, producing seventeen points a game. Uh, He's heading into year three of his rookie deal um, and will be an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty three. Um, So, I'll be honest, I was slow to DK Metcalf coming out of the draft. I thought that his route running wouldn't transition to the NFL. I worried that, you know, he was blazing fast on those nine routes and the comebacks and and kind of drags across the field. But I worried that he wouldn't have the nuance to consistently get open in the NFL. Um, Well, I mean, that has been proved wrong because basically... He doesn't need to be nuanced. He's bigger and faster than pretty much anyone in the league. So he can just kind of bully his way to, to, to get open or, or blaze past people. What I would say is that I think this is a rule in kind of a nutshell that's going to encompass the next guy I'm going to talk about as well. But I think that wide receivers coming off their rookie season that have produced that aren't yet being valued as, you know, uh, truly elite options are fantastic by candidates um I think you look at people like this year so CeeDee lamb t higgins um I think they're kind of being valued in that late kind of i guess eight to sort of sixteen range in terms of where they're being ranked and where they're being valued at the wide receiver position and I just think that those are the kind of guys that could quite easily be in this d k Metcalf a j brown tier um in a year's time. Uh, so if you can get in early because the price is only going to go up is is kind of my thought there. Um, which then brings me to the next guy, which is Terry McLaurin. Um, so again, his ADP in August was wide receiver twenty-one. Um, his current ADP is wide receiver ten. Um, so in terms of production, so he was the wide receiver twenty, um, both overall and in points per game, averaging 14.9. So I guess for McLaurin, you know, the the price hasn't kind of shot up to the levels of DK Metcalf and, and the production. You know, he, he was a top 20 receiver this year, but he wasn't a top 10 receiver. But I think for me, the thing you've got to remember with Terry McLaurin is that he's done that with Dwayne Haskins, Carl Allen, Alex Smith on one leg and Tyler Hankey as his quarterbacks this year. Now, I don't know if Washington's going to be able to go out and acquire a you know an elite quarterback, whether that be in free agency, by trade or in the draft. Like whoever they have playing quarterback next year is, is going to be an upgrade. And I just think that this is a guy that has already seen that kind of rise in value and could potentially return that quite easily if he gets an upgrade at quarterback. Lessons to learn exactly the same as I said with DK Metcalf. You know, this is a guy that produced as a rookie and was coming in and, and still probably being valued a little bit too low. Um, so if we can look at some potential guys coming off their rookie years um, that, that could produce kind of next year again, it's, it's the same guys, it's CeeDee Lambs, it's T. Higgins, it's even someone like uh, Laviska Chennault or Denzel Mims. I think that year two receiver um, is kind of where they blow up. You know, we used to talk five years ago about being that third year breakout for receivers, but I think it's very much now that year two breakout such. Um, and then the next guy I'm going to talk about, so this is uh, Stefan Diggs. So in August, he was the wide receiver 25 in ADP. He's currently being valued as the wide receiver 11. Um, that is despite being the wide receiver 3, both overall and in points per game, putting up a um, remarkable 20.5 points per game. Um, so the reason he was being valued so low, I guess, is this old kind of adage of Anyone who kind of moves, any receiver who moves team in free agency or via trade, doesn't produce the same level unless they're seeing a clear uptick in target volume or target quality or quarterback play. And I guess you, you could project that with Stefan Diggs he, coming out of you know a, a target-heavy role in Minnesota. Was he going to see an uptick in target volume? Probably not. Was he going to see an upgrade in quarterback play at the time? Probably not, you know. And the, the answer is that he's exceeded on both of those. But I also think that when we talked about guys moving in free agency and in trade, we've never really seen those true, true elite guys do it. This year, we've obviously sort of seen Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins and both have absolutely produced in their new settings. And I think that... Whilst, you know, the likes of a, you know, a mid-tier receiver that could be moving position might see that kind of year to to kind of adjust. I'm not sure we can be kind of valuing an elite receiver in that same world. Um, So I just think that if we see a, a big trade or indeed, you know, a lot of these big name guys, someone like an Alan Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, someone like that, move in free agency this year. Let's not just discount them because they've moved. Because I think that you know someone like Alan Robinson, he could still produce like a wide receiver One next year in his new setting, despite changing team, which is you know in theory supposed to see a reduction in terms of his fantasy production. The uh, the final receiver that I'm going to talk about is going to be Robbie Anderson. Uh, so he was the wide receiver 63 in August. Uh, he's currently the wide receiver 44. That's despite being the wide receiver 19 overall and the wide receiver 29 in terms of points per game, putting up an average of 14 points per game. Um, I guess this links to um, kind of the Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins comments of we devalued him because he was with moving role, moving team. Um, but I also think that people saw him in the, what was a bad Jets offense as just a deep threat. You know, I talked about in the offseason last year, of he was actually much better than that. And I think you needed to w- watch the Jets in order to see that. And unfortunately, I was in that position where I watched the Jets an awful lot. And I think that he was kind of a victim of poor offense and poor quarterback play. So I guess there's kind of two lessons to learn here is that one, if a guy's leaving a bad offense and a bad quarterback, he could potentially see a value tick and it's, you know, going to what is a good offense like Carolina. Let's not let's take that into consideration. But I also think the second lesson, which is probably the bigger lesson, is follow the money. So this is a guy that's signed a two-year, $20 million deal in free agency he was pretty much sought after there was a few teams going after him and I think that you know teams aren't stupid in that they're paying up for this guy yet in fantasy we weren't at all and I think that sometimes we overthink ourselves and we think that we know more than the NFL teams but actually if they're valuing him as a top 25 receiver which is what his contract says and we value him as a wide receiver 60 plus there's some sort of disconnect there and I think that he went into an offense where he had some incredible competition in terms of a young stud like DJ Moore a guy that was a you know 100 plus target receiver last year in in Curtis Samuel and we were still undervaluing him in the 60s and he's turned around a wide receiver two season for you this year and I think that you know We need to learn that lesson of let's look at potential guys that could sign in free agency that we could still be undervaluing. And I guess the the guy that I'm looking at for this is someone like a Corey Davis, who's being valued currently in the wide receiver 40 range. If he went to, I know I keep saying it, but Green Bay to be the wide receiver two there, he'd have an incredible opportunity to outperform what, what he did even this year. Even if he re-signs in in Tennessee, could he produce similar numbers to this year as the World Series 2 in that offence and still be undervalued next year? Quite possibly. But I just think let's follow the money and and kind of see – potentially where that takes us um and then at the wide receiver position so again not not shocked here I guess the the kind of obvious guy was Robert Tonyan. um so in August ADP he was undrafted again so outside that sort of top 250 he's currently the tight end 11 um he actually produced as the tight end four overall this year but was the tight end six in points per game averaging 11 points per game well you know it kinda of came from nowhere. I think a lot of um people were projecting that role in terms of the tight ending Green Bay as being a potential fantastic fantasy option. But people were looking at Jake Sternberger as the guy who was gonna do it. He was being, you know, drafted in that tight end fifteen to twenty range as a potential breakout. And we missed on on the wrong guy in that offense. And I do wonder if you know it's difficult with the tight end position because there's only sort of twelve, fifteen guys that are relevant, despite there being thirty-two of them in the NFL. But we can kind of identify the offenses that are gonna have a potential relevant tight end because it's the good offenses. It's the offenses that score a lot of points. You know, the thing that Boyd Robert Tonyan this year was he scored a lot of touchdowns. Well, you know, could we identify another offense next year that's that's not got a clear tight end? but is a good offense that doesn't have a lot of options that scores a lot of touchdowns that could be another situation to find someone like Robert Onion next year. Um, so I do wonder if, if, you know, and we can take this with the wide receiver position, do we need to be looking at those, what we consider are going to be good offenses that don't have three, four solid fantasy options. And should we just be buying a lot of guys in that, that offense that are essentially cheap because you know Robert Tonyan three months ago was free so can we go out and buy some some cheap options in that offense that could then see a huge kind of uptick in value so it's, it's something to again think about this you know keep an eye see if we can identify some of those gaps um, over the next few months and, and through the off season that could then return huge booms on kind of value next year um, in terms of Robert Tonya moving forward so he is a restricted free agent at the moment he's likely to be re-signed by Green Bear can't imagine they let him walk to be honest at tight end 11 I kind of I'm okay with that I wouldn't certainly wouldn't pay anything more than that I certainly wouldn't be going out and buying him I think he's was as I said hugely touchdown reliant this year um, and I'd be quite concerned that if those you know touchdowns go away, he's he's basically a waste of the position. Um so I, I if I was buying a tight end, I certainly wouldn't be buying someone like a Robert Tonya and I'd instead go and buy another guy that was cheap and is, is now not in terms of Logan Thomas. I think he was had much better peripheral numbers in terms of targets, target share, yards, that kind of thing wasn't so touchdown reliant but produced at a similar rate um so that is it for this week's podcast um so next week we're going to come back with some guys that saw some significant drops in value um and see if we can learn some lessons from that um so thank you again for listening if you could follow uh, myself i'm at dynasty island on twitter uh, but also we've launched the five yard dynasty twitter page um, so give that a follow that's at five yard dynasty Um, and i will speak to you all again next week